0: This is Jennifer Polymus from Chalote, North Carolina, and this is Barbecue Central. So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea.
1: Hey, gang, welcome to the Really Big Barbecue Central show. Oh, yeah, the show that talks about all things important in the world, of barbecue and grilling, affectionately known as the hump day version. We love the hump day. Uh, Lots to get into. I'm not going to bore you with all the contact information because, quite frankly, I have fostered a show that takes care of everything that you're going to need to know for the next 60 minutes or so. Uh, So without uh, further ado, let me make sure we're doing this right this time. Uh, How about this?
0: If you got questions about barbecue or grilling, maybe as a hobby or even a business, looking to get an expert's point of view, why not ask Dr. Barbecue? You can submit your questions by clicking on the Ask Dr. Barbecue tab on the website. The doctor is in. Here's Ray Lampy with his nurse, Greg Rimpe. That's
1: me, and this Bar-B-Q. is Ray Lampy, Dr. Barbecue. Ray, how are you, bud? Greg, I'm
0: good. How are
1: you? doing absolutely fabulous. So what did you uh think of the uh, the splash screen now that we're all professional now?
0: Oh yeah, it's so professional. I'm very impressed with myself.
1: Hey, well, uh, look uh you 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 had to take the reins and make sure that this thing was a, a proper outfit. And I certainly appreciate you doing that as we uh go ahead and uh, race to to get your picture up here on the screen. I apologize for the delay. Lots to get to tonight, Ray. And I like uh, the
0: same as always, so don't worry about that.
1: Yeah, no problem. Um well, first of all, I guess, uh, you know, you can tell by the 18 locks to the right of your shoulder, you're on the road again. Where uh, where are we finding you today?
0: The great state of Ohio. I'm hey,
1: look at that. The Buckeye City. Did you, uh, did you go to Thurman's, Ray? Did you go to Thurman's?
0: Not yet. Uh, maybe Ooh. tomorrow. All right. Well, try. you got to let when me they, know
1: yeah. what you think about that when you uh, huge burgers. I know you like burgers, right?
0: I do like burgers,
1: yes. Yeah. So if you get there, uh, you have to drop me a line off air and let me know exactly what you think about it. But nevertheless, uh, lots to get to tonight. And let's go ahead and kind of jump right into the first question. This is an email question coming in from Paul Rampola. Uh, hope, hopefully, I'm saying that right. I believe it's Paul Rampola, West Palm Beach, Florida. So, you know, your now home state of Florida. Coming in, it says, uh, hi, Hi, Greg, love the show, never miss an episode. Please ask Ray tonight for tips on getting a smoke ring when cooking brisket or pork butt with a big green egg. For instance, how many wood chunks, what type of wood, temperature, duration of cook, any help is appreciated. So, Ray, the floor is yours.
0: Well, wood and uh, smoke ring aren't necessarily you know, it, it's not that important. Let's talk about the wood first. Cooking in a big green egg, you want to cook a brisket or a pork, but for me, it's about the size of my fist. Two pieces of wood that'll equal about the size of my fist, and then probably another handful of chips. Usually what I'll do is put half my charcoal in, put those two pieces of wood pretty much in the middle, and uh, and sprinkle some chips all around and put the rest of my charcoal. Now, that's going to give me about the right amount of flavor for me. I'm not a real serious smoke eater. Uh, so I don't like heavy smoke. If you want to like more smoke, put a third piece in smoke rings, a whole different story. Now, the big green egg is not a huge smoke ring machine. Uh, it doesn't mean it doesn't give you the good flavor, but I'll get a small smoke ring always, but you don't get that big monster. Uh, there's just no real solution to that except for, I'm going to, I'm going to lay it out here. You can use tender quick. You can cheat tender quick. Tender quick. I'm going to tell you how to do it. I have never done it, but I know how. You make a solution. You take about a quart of water, and you take about a, a quarter cup of TenderQuick and put it in there, maybe a half a cup, and you're going to have to experiment with this. And you, you soak your brisket in it for five minutes, ten minutes, and see how it works out. It's a fake smoke ring, but TenderQuick is how it, what makes ham red, and you'll get that big, beautiful, kick-ass smoke ring. Cheat, use TenderQuick. Uh,
1: would you say that there might be teams out there that uh... – produce a non-legitimate smoke ring
0: (laughs) where do you think i learned it
1: oh (laughs) hey all right you ain't cheating you're not trying right
0: well you know it's not cheating but that's one of the reasons it goes way back to kcbs the rule says do not consider smoke ring i you know i don't think there's many judges a big beautiful smoke ring looks good you can't help but consider it but that's why the rule is that way because you can guys were making fake ones 20 years ago
1: all right, so let me ask you this question in regards to smoke ring, and I am kind of glad that Paul uh, wrote about this particular portion of the cooking process five or six years ago, maybe even when we did that very first brisket roundtable. It was you, yeah. it was Jim Minion, Fast Eddie, Lee, and Whippen, and we did talk about this, and I think it was brought up in the form of uh, room-temperature meat versus coming straight out of the cooker. And I believe I said, well, isn't it true that if you put a ice cold piece of meat or right from refrigerator onto cooker versus letting it sit out a little bit, there is a, a longer period of smoke ring development time?
0: Yes, that, that's it. Smoke ring is created by the, the nitrites in the, in the smoke and the protein in the meat, and that's what creates it. It doesn't necessarily make for a smoky flavor. That reaction ceases at about 135 degrees, uh, give or take a few. So if you put in a cold piece of meat, I always did that. I always put my meat directly onto the cooker. I never would let it warm up, and never have. Uh, I put it directly on there, and I always felt that that it helped enhance my smoke ring. So, yeah, that will help you a little bit on a big green egg, but you still don't get a killer one.
1: So if you don't use tender quick, you're looking to get a kick-ass smoke ring otherwise, and maybe he's in the market for a a new cooker. Like what cookers do you know that really put on a good natural smoke ring when compared to a pellet cooker or a, a big green egg or a ceramic style?
0: Yeah, the wood cookers, the offset smokers, uh, you know, the Jambo guys are probably getting a great smoke ring because they're running a nice hot wood fire, straight wood. They're probably getting really good smoke ring. That That's definitely probably the best cooker available. Any kind of offset like that where you're burning all wood, not necessarily a fan of burning all wood. But if you want a good smoke ring, that's going to do it.
1: Ray Lampy joining us for the weekly Ask a Dr. Barbecue segment. A couple different websites to check out while we're talking tonight. Uh, his personal website, drbbq.com. And then, of course, if you have a question, you can go to askdrbbq.com and then submit them in. From there, and they've been rolling right in over the last number of weeks here, Ray. Uh, so we thank Paul for that question. Yeah, thanks, everybody. Yeah. Been great. This Pretty has cool. been really good questions and uh, some great information being passed about here. So, you know, if you're listening, you have a friend that might be getting into this stuff, turn them on to the Wednesday show for crying out loud. I mean, what are you missing except great information and two really good looking guys? All right. Well, great information at least. Uh, next question coming from Steve, Ray, in Alabama. And, you know, this is a really kind of broad, general question, but I'm sure it's one you get asked all the time. How do you go about picking the best cooker for you?
0: Yeah, that is a tough one. I do get asked that a lot. It's funny. There's a lot of different kinds of smokers, and being guys like we are, you you boy, you get focused on one. I remember when I was looking to buy my first cooker and spend a little money, I had this one-page catalog from Dave Close, <laughs> and I was looking at that close. I wanted it so bad, but I just couldn't afford the one I wanted. And then I was looking at – there was a company called Kingfisher, and – and I ended up buying a Jedmaster. I, I met Dennis. You know, everybody's a little different. Boy, we're you know, we're guys and we like different bells and whistles and stuff. You know, budget's a big thing. If your budget is limited and most guys their first cooker is, resist the temptation to buy the cheap offset. That's what I'm going to tell you. You know, so let's talk about in the under $500 range. You can get a Weber Smoky Mountain, which is going to really cook really well, and but it's not going to look very cool at all. Or you can get the... Three $400 offset that's going to make you look really cool, but it's not going to cook very well. Agreed. And you're going to have to stay up all night and you're going to get tired of that thing and you're going to be getting rid of it. You're probably going to keep the Weber forever. Um, you know, it, it's think about it, what you really want to do. But if you, but you know, you can't talk some guys out of it. They want that offset and they're going to be stick burners because they, they heard that was cool and they're going to buy it. Um, you got the box smokers and there's all kinds of different stuff. Think about what you need. Oh, I don't know. And, and you know, and then just buy a big green egg.
1: In the end, buy the big green egg. After here's, you know, I I, I probably don't feel it as much as you do, Ray. But uh, the things that I tell people to take into account is, uh, a, of course, it it has to be budget first and foremost. Um, you know, I do like you say, you know, resist the temptation to buy the cheap because it's cheap for a reason, especially in cookers and some of the accessories that go along with this industry. You're really paying or you're getting what you pay for. So there was a saying floating around, uh, buy the best, only cry once. And I think in a lot of cases that is true with cookers and with accessories that you get here in the barbecue and grilling community. Uh, the other thing I tell people is take into account what size of group you're going to be cooking for mostly, 85 90% of the time. So that's probably the individual or the immediate family unit. But you really have to take into account, especially if you're going to get into it, and you're going to start entertaining, you know, what's the range that it could get up to? If you have five people in your family, but you might be cooking for 25, you might be looking at multiple units, or you might have to step up one or two grades than you normally did so you can accommodate everything and not look like a schmuck at the end.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're always going to need more space. Buy the biggest one you can, but I'm with you about the quality. You know, the offsets, the, 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 you buy a cheap one, it's nothing even remotely close to an expensive one. You know, uh, you can buy that little cheap gas square box thing that looks kind of like a, uh, a spice wine or a stumps, but it's, it's not. It's junk. It doesn't really work that way. And, you know, when you're buying that first one, you're, you're enticed by this. looks really cool, but, yeah, man, it's not going to work out that well.
1: All right. Question coming in from Dave in Oklahoma, wondering what round of the World Food Championships you might be judging this year, Ray.
0: I'm not sure I can say, Uh, but I will be there in a high-profile judging position. I just learned yesterday, but I'm not sure I can say.
1: Uh, Is that an event you're looking forward to?
0: Oh, yeah, it's going to be a blast. It's really coming together nice. I can tell you I'll be at the Golden Nugget, and you will find me at the casino bar often. So if you want to say hi, but whether I'll be judging, I don't know. But, yeah, that's a big deal, man. It's coming together fast. This thing's going to be fun. I mean, if you're not familiar with it, there's a big barbecue contest A ICS Chili, and I'm sorry, it's not ICS, but it's very similar to ICS Chili Contest. There's a sandwich contest, a burger contest, seven criteria. And at the final table on Sunday, there will be one of each. The winner of each will be there. They'll judge a bowl of chili versus a plate of barbecue, a sandwich, a burger, a dessert, a bacon category. It's a cool event. I'm very excited about it.
1: Ray Lampy joining us here on the show for the weekly Ask a Dr. Barbecue segment. And we thank Steve for that question on how to pick a cooker. Next one uh, from Florida as well. Pete in Florida says, Ray, can you use briquette charcoal in ceramic or Kamado-style cookers?
0: Well, yes, it will work. You'll get your food cooked, but it's not the right way to go. Uh, two reasons. For one, it's hard to light. Like so it's a little easier the lump charcoal lights really easy and that's good because you don't ever want to use fluid in your in your kamado and a chimney there's kind of no reason to it kind of is a chimney if you use lump all you gotta do is stick a couple little fire starters down in and it starts real fast but the second reason and the bigger one is ash there's ash filled up from briquettes even the better ones there's a lot more ash than there is lump charcoal and the kamado works really well because of the great airflow so, when you, the, the lump or the lump charcoal doesn't create any ash, you get that airflow constantly. With briquettes, you're going to get an ash buildup pretty quick and it's going to limit the airflow and it's really going to hurt you. So, not recommended. It, if you're in a pinch and you can light them in a chimney and throw them in there and cook your steak, sure, you can, they'll work, but not recommended at all.
1: Yeah, and I can agree uh, because I'm kind of an idiot. When I got my hands on a. Uh... It was called a bubba keg. It's gone through a number of different changes. But when it originally came out from, you know, that same area where all the other uh, ceramic style cookers are coming out of, uh, I was out of lump. Uh, I tried briquettes. I have a a weed burner, so I got them lit without any problem. But unfortunately, about 25 or 30 minutes into the cook when they started to ash out. Yeah, that's the biggest problem with briquettes is the amount of ash that they lay off as they're burning out. And it smothered the whole fire. So right. you know, forty-five minutes into it, I'm wondering why the temperatures are dropping. Yeah, well, uh, open it up, realize that there's a huge, thick layer that can't even shake through uh, the grate to get down into the vent to ash out. So uh, lesson learned. But I absolutely agree. Uh, briquettes are a danger when we're talking about kamado style cookers.
0: Yeah, it's not going to work well. It's made to run on lump charcoal, and it'll work a whole lot better with it.
1: All right. Uh, next question coming from Shannon. In Oklahoma, wow, well, Oklahoma as well. Uh, most important accessories for your grill or barbecue.
0: You know, I'm not a gadget guy. I, I you know, I got a rib rack. I use it in a pinch if I got to fit a lot of ribs on. Oh, I've thrown away and given away every gadget known to man because people want to seem to think somehow I'm going to fall in love with it and want to be their spokesman for free. Uh, I, what I use around the house, I use a thermopen constantly to, you just. That's number one. Get a thermopen. Um, I use DigiQ on my egg. I, I use it. Um, I use it when I want to cook overnight and don't want to have to worry about it. Or like Thanksgiving, you know, you want to cook the turkey out there. You want that thing to stay right on temp, and you don't want to have to be paying attention to it because you're inside doing the other stuff, watching football. I'll use it for that. So I think uh, a DigiQ is is an expensive toy, but I think it works really well. Um, but so thermometers—the two things that make you get your food done properly—are the gadgets I use all the time. I, honestly, Thermopen just sent me the the old style with the readout and the little cable that goes in, so you could just probe the meat. I imagine I'll use that thing now that they sent me a nice new one. I'll probably use that on my turkey as well. I generally don't use the the that other probe on the Digi-Q. So I'm just not much of a gadget guy. I learn how to cook properly and. And, you know, some good rubs and sauces.
1: Things that I recommend, aside from, you know, items that you have, uh, you know, if you are floating in between, you know, I think sometimes people get caught up in, you know, I'm a griller, I'm a barbecuer. Uh, I think a great grill brush is something that is key really to anything because you, you want to be able to make sure that you're keeping that uh, grilling or cooking surface clean and healthy. You know, they say the clean, gl- uh, clean grill is a healthy griller. At least our buddy Ted Reeder says that all the time. And I think, you know, that's one of those uh, things you can cheap out on a grill brush and you're buying four or five over the course of a year. Or if you cook a lot in the summer months, you mean you're, you might be burning through two or three of those because they melt. Uh, the cheap ones will shed bristles down onto the cooking surface. So you have a potential hazard there as well. So if you go, like when I got my stainless steel grates, I went to the restaurant supply store and I bought a broiler brush and it spent 25 or 30 bucks on it. But I had it for like three years. I mean, it was easily the best money I ever spent. Kept it, it out worked, of the weather. I mean, it was great. They work fabulous. Uh, and then, you know, like a good sturdy pair of tongs, so you can get under meat. You know, it holds weight. I mean, we're not talking about like flipping over fifteen or twenty pound briskets, but you know, decent steak or burgers, or if it's kind of a uh, well, pound of the microphone. Uh, if you're moving some stuff around, it kind of helps you uh, move some stuff around. I think you know those are some really good key accessories that you shouldn't also go cheap on.
0: Yeah, I agree. But, I mean, those, those are things you've got to have. I agree with you. I didn't think about it because those are naturals, but absolutely, because that's the stuff you're going to use every time.
1: All right, Ray, so you're down in Columbus, uh, and you're doing work with uh, – who, who are you doing this uh, – oh, it's Sam's Club, right? You're doing work with Sam's Club?
0: Yeah. Yeah, Sam's Club. Coke Zero is our big sponsor, but, man, there's a list of other ones. If you go to – actually, you know, there's a, a contest, cookoffbeforekickoff.com is the website. There's a contest there. You, if you enter a recipe, the winner is going to get a trip to Pasadena for a BCS championship game. Really? It's a pretty big deal. Yeah, and I don't know if it's had a lot of traffic. I think people uh, should look into that.
1: Cookoffbeforekickoff.com?
0: Yep, and there's a bunch of videos. That's where all the videos, we did 100 recipes and 100 videos, and the recipes are all there, but that's where you can enter for the contest as well.
1: All right, uh, off before kickoff. Uh, where are you going to be at uh, after you're done in the uh, Columbus area?
0: I'm going home for a couple of days, and I'm going to uh, Ken Hess's wedding in Huntsville, Alabama. Really? Ken from Big Bob Gibson's Barbecue. Yeah, Ken's an old friend, and he's uh, he's getting married next week. So I'm going there, come home for a few days, and then we'll go to Las Vegas.
1: There you go. Big Hoss becoming an honest man, and then uh, World Food Championships on from there. So uh, Ray Lampy joins us each and every week. We do the Ask Dr. Barbecue segment. Uh, we kind of rapid-fired this week, so... Uh, I know next week we already have lined up uh, prime rib cooking tips because I know people get really concerned. You know, kind of an expensive piece of meat, don't want to screw that up and look like an idiot in front of all your friends and neighbors. Uh, and then, you know, a little bit of a uh, competition question with, and I've been getting it a lot, when should teams consider going from backyard to pro? Just a little teaser for next week. Uh, so, Ray, work on those answers. And as always, appreciate the time. and will look for you again next Wednesday.
0: Hey, thanks, Greg. Good luck to all my friends at the Jack.
1: There you go. Ray Lamp. Dr. Barbecue. Askdrbbq.com. drbbq.com is the uh, website if you want to check them out. Down in Buckeye Land for Sam's Club. Cook-off before kickoff. Uh, if it's not heavily trafficked and you can get a free BCS ticket or two, why not head on over there? Absolutely. Uh, Guys with aprons coming up next. It's a frenzy sweeping the nation. Guys with aprons. We're going to be talking about a lot of cool stuff. Uh, If you are looking to advertise with me on this show, on Wednesday specifically, no easier way to get in front of the target market that loves to barbecue and loves to grill. If you want some information on that, you get a hold of me greg at com. You can also visit the website and click on the About and then How to Become an Advertiser on the Show. That'll kind of spell it out. And if you do have any other questions after you read everything or after we talk via the phone lines, i uh, be more than happy uh, to get you further information and uh, so forth. But, look, this is the way to do it. You, you have an audience that is built in, interested, and ready to go when it comes to outdoor live fire cooking. Why not partner with the best show out there on the Internet or the radio or TV or whatever for that matter? Doing yourself a disservice. That's all I got to say. It's guys with aprons coming up next. Stick around. We'll be right back. All right, we are back. Eight seven seven four four eight zero four three three. Greg at Show dot com. If you want to jump in on the show tonight, uh, my next two guests are uh, here for their monthly appearance. Both well respected in the outdoor live fire cooking realms. Both. In uh, Persona D Online, uh, tonight we have a great topic, uh, well, multiple topics to discuss. Uh, so let's go ahead and welcome back and rekindle the guys with aprons. It is Barry hey. Martin, and it is uh, Larry Gain from uh, Ember, Smoke and Ember, and welcome to the cookout. Uh look at this. You know... <laughs> Jeez, oh, Pete! Hold on one second. I got to get you guys all squared. I thought I had it all squared away with Ray, and it uh, looks like I got to do it each and every time with a new guest. Uh, gentlemen, welcome to the show. How are you?
2: Glad to be here. All right. But, uh, Larry was so
3: excited about being here. He got a hold of me at three thirty this afternoon and said, "When's Greg going to call? When's Greg going to call?"
1: Three thirty in the afternoon.
2: <laughs> well, it was really four thirty, but I see you got a really nice bathrobe on, Barry. Uh, you're welcome. That's what. That's
3: how I dress for you guys. I got my my dress up bathrobe.
1: Well, uh, quality bathrobes are paramount to be successful in this industry. I think we have all learned that over our years of uh, kind of covering this thing. Uh, one of the topics that we're going to be talking about tonight, and uh, Barry, let me get your thought on it first. Is this? Is it evolution? Is it proliferation? Is it fornication? of everyone having award-winning barbecue rubs. How how can every barbecue rub be, like, world famous and award-winning?
3: Well, you know, I think it's, first of all, it's great, because it just says so many people are excited, and they love it, and their friends say, gosh darn, this is good, you ought to sell this. And, of course, they get the bug and think, well, of course I can sell it. And that's kind of neat when you think about it. But uh, But one of the things that cracks me up is that, most, most, not all, but most, kind of have the same five or six ingredients in them. The number one being salt, and then usually some smoked paprika and cumin, and a couple other things. Some heat thrown in there, a different kind, and that's that's fun. That's exciting, of course. Uh, but. <laughs> You know, I'm an old Texas boy. That's where I started eating barbecue, and it's salt and pepper and smoke. But uh, we'll go. We'll go to Larry on this one now. All
1: right, uh, Larry. Any reason that you can think of that uh, you know everybody can claim that they have the best, most world-famous rub ever?
2: Well, you know, I think. I think the important thing is is that so many people are proud of what they do that. Uh, if they want to call it the best or award-winning, I, I think it just speaks a lot to how popular um, barbecue is. I do wish that there were was a little more uh, uh, originality maybe, some difference, you know, get out of that whole Kansas City, Memphis, Texas kind of, you know, and and, and let's, let's, Let's try some Herbes de Provence or something, something a little different.
1: I, I was just oh. going to say, and you kind of led in there for a second, uh, Larry, with Herbes de Provence, which everybody knows and loves. Uh, you know, if you were building the uh, embers and flame barbecue rub, you know, how would you make it? What would set yours apart?
2: Well, one of the reasons I've never done a sauce or a rub um, was because because I couldn't I, it's just not the way my head works with coming up with different things as yeah. far as that's concerned I'd like to have something a little more herbal for for a rub but you you know then you start to run into issues with what those herbs are going to do on the smoker in the heat for me there's really only and I, there's only a couple really Unique, true rubs on the on the market today.
1: Name them by name right now.
3: Yeah, we want name. to hear
2: names. By oh, names. Okay. I think uh, Todd's products from Plowboy Barbecue huh? are truly unique. And yeah. there's a guy out here in California um, with Simply Marvelous Barbecue Rubs. The, the cherry, the pecan, and those other flavors I, I think are truly unique. Uh, You
3: know, speaking to that, Greg, one of the things I see over and over again with uh, a lot of the guys that I pay attention to or follow or who follow me, whatever, is they put the the same rub or the same spices on everything. And except for Frank's Red Hot, which has a great campaign, they put that on everything. (laughs) I think that one of the things I see over and over again is is everything comes out tasting like that rub and they lose the meat, they lose the smoke, they lose the character and they don't nuance the food. But uh, that's just me.
1: Uh Barry, let me ask you a couple questions that I asked uh Larry as well. You know, if if everything seems to be a little bit more vanilla or not as outside of the box uh, when we're talking about rubs, like how would you if you were going to make the chef Barry or the CB blend rubs or whatever you want to call it? How would, what would you do to yours to make it set apart?
3: Well, you know, I have, a, I have a standard classic that I use on chicken because chicken, to me, always needs a little something. And whether I'm rubbing it under the skin or, or do something with it, and I, and I also use it on some pork, not, not my Boston butts, but if I'm doing a pork loin or something. And it's, it's a combination of garlic powder and curry, cumin, and salt. And I'm really happy with it, and then afterwards, I might dress it. I like Larry's idea. I usually dress with herbs and oil after I cook, because I, I like the, those flavors on after. but But if I'm going to rub something and, and slow cook it uh, indirect, then I, a barbecue or smoke, then I'm going to use probably that's my, that's my standard go-to uh, flavor.
1: something that you're going to be looking to market soon, Barry.
3: <laughs> I don't think so. I I think you know four or five. One, you know, here's a funny story. I was cooking for some really famous barbecue uh, guys who run a big company in Georgia, and I said that I was going to fix my favorite curried prawns on the grill, and they all turned their noses up and said, oh, oh no, not curry. Oh, curry is terrible. The and worst. I'm just talking, everything I use is off the shelf at a grocery store, so it's just curry. And there's a whole bunch of different curries, but this is just the thing that says curry. So I said, oh, okay, I won't do that. And then I read all the spices that are in the curry, and they went, oh, that sounds good. I like that. So it's, it's positioning and presentation, but I guess maybe it's part of it. But I'm with Larry. People... God bless them, you know. They're excited, their friends love their food, and they want to share it. That's neat.
1: All right, Larry, let's go back to you here for this question. And it is perhaps being called the overuse of EV olive oil. Now, that's my term on it. If I confuse you, I apologize. Extra virgin olive oil. Uh, I don't think I'm allowed to say EVOO. That might be trademark, but I have dumbed it (laughs) down to EV olive oil. That's my own trademark, so don't use it or I'll sue you. Is it, have we gotten to an overuse of uh, extra virgin olive oil?
2: Well, you know, you really, the term extra virgin olive oil is is probably EVOO is not the product to use on the barbecue or grilling. It's actually just regular olive oil is actually better because it has a higher smoke point because um, it's been filtered and it, it has less particles in it. Um, and so is it overused? I don't think so. I, I, I don't, I don't think I don't, it's not the right oil. I don't, in my opinion. Now, Barry and I have become big fans of avocado oil.
3: Disclaimer, and, we're actually under contract with an avocado oil company to write for them. So we have to be honest, FTC, of <laughs> course. Yeah.
1: Well, uh, all right. So for but, the people that don't know what avo- uh, avocado oil is, or they aren't as familiar uh, what separates it from, you know, the the very popular extra virgin olive oils or olive oils for that matter?
2: Well, the biggest thing is the smoke point. It's um, up up around five hundred degrees, so it's going to give you a much much better um, product off the grill. When you're doing low and slow, it's probably not as critical. And that's can all can I address?
3: Product. Can I address that extra virgin olive oil? I, yeah. I think yes, it is way overused. Because everything I've been reading and seeing lately is that the olive oil that's sold in grocery stores that most people buy and pay a relatively premium price for is adulterated with canola oil, is secondary quality being shipped in uh, from overseas, is potentially aged. Olives are fruit, and their oils are fruit juice, if you will. So if it isn't fairly fresh, meaning within a year or so of actual bottling, and if it hasn't been stored at the right temperature or in dark, light-proof containers, there's a real good chance it's turned. So uh, I I was fortunate to to do some tasting with the California Olive Oil Ranch people, and I'm not under contract with them, and they really explained how the various olive oils are made and why they're better to get them younger and fresher. And uh, I use those oils, those types of oils, after grilling or after smoking because they have such intense, herbaceous flavors. There, I got to use herbaceous. Larry, how's
2: that? That's really good for a guy in a bathrobe.
1: (laughs) Ten-point word. That's right. Who know you could come up with words while you're getting ready for bed. Uh, Barry, let me ask you a quick question. Do you think uh, because there was this over... Can you say overpopularity? But extra virgin olive oil became very popular. Everybody has it. Uh, There's different flavors. There's cold press. There's not extra virgin. Have people become confused on how to use olive oils? You know, extra virgin olive oil maybe to add a richness after the fact versus putting it on to cook with uh, and using a regular uh, olive oil. I mean, it it can get a little confusing, yeah?
3: Uh, Greg, I think you're spot on. If it's good... Extra virgin olive oil, and I, and I like going with California because it's American and it's a high quality oil. Um, really, it's pretty expensive to be cooking with it, and so I use it afterwards for flavor, and use a neutral flavor oil if I'm going to grill. That's where I love the avocado oil uh, when we're grilling, and I use the you know, the the uh, the olive oil, the extra virgin stuff out of California. Uh, or I just found out they're 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 making some in Oregon now too. Somebody got to bottle of that and see what that tastes like. But what you, the thing to do is an olive oil tasting. Uh, buy a couple of really good quality California olive oils and and really taste them and get a and begin to understand what those flavors are because uh, then you can use them to complement the meat and under the certain however you're going to cook.
1: We're talking. We're talking with Larry Gain from Embers and Flame dot com. Also Barry Martin. Welcome. To thecookout.com, dot uh, com, Barry. One last question about the avocado oil: um, What kind of a flavor profile does it have? Is it not really uh, avocado-y? It's, it's very
3: neutral. It's very neutral in flavor. A light, a light taste on your palate if you just taste it. It's got a little bit of flavor, but it, but it's not strong. Uh, it's mild in flavor, so it's perfect for grilling and frying and things like that. Because, of, as Larry said, the very high smoke point, so you can be uh, grilling above four hundred and fifty degrees, and not not sweat about it, not worry about it. Whereas all the other oils are already smoking, um, and and yet it has all the great qualities, the healthful qualities that avocados have. So it's it's a good product, and the brand we uh, we are contracted with is is chosen foods. Excellent, they're at Costco.
1: All right, uh, Larry. Let me ask you this question here before I turn you guys loose tonight, uh, and Barry will get your take here in just a second. This coming weekend and the competition scene finds one of the most revered competitions ever on the face of the earth, Magis, Magistal. I almost said Magistal. I did it. Magical, and uh, so it's called the Jack Daniels. Uh, um, thoughts about it? For the people you think that might have a good shot at winning? Is it uh, overhyped? Is it just Brown Foreman saying, look at me? Uh, some thoughts about the Jack Daniels as a whole.
2: Well, you know, there's, there's two big ones, well, three big ones, Memphis and May the jack and the american royal and i i don't think they're overhyped at at all what i like about the jack is more than more than others is anybody can get in if they're drawn you know that the whole process with winning and the bungs and the drawing and everything i, I think is great great for the for this for the i was going to say sport but for for barbecue in general, who's gonna win? I don't know. I I can't I can't uh, handicap barbecue competitions very well. I do <laughs> wish there was a fantasy barbecue comp though. <laughs> like, fantasy barbecue. barbecue.
1: You, I mean, you know uh, that there's actually one that is in like development, right? I, I can't say yeah, anything sorry. specifically, but there is one that is being in development okay. right now.
3: Hey Larry, you and I both have a favorite though. John McGee, right? He's going to be back there, isn't he? Back there again this year.
2: A good West Coast guy, John. I saw him. He was. I think he was in Wyoming last night on his way. So, yeah. John McGee. Um, he's from a, he's a neighbor from- of mine,
3: and he's a darn. He's a darn good guy who really, really represents barbecue well wherever he happens to be, a, a barbecue as as a, as a as what it is. And he's also kind of celebrate it because he's up here from the Northwest and he does a good job.
1: Barry, do you have uh, some takes on the, on the Jack Daniels? Do you find it to be a little bit overhyped oh, I, for I, what I it is? I drink
3: it as often as possible. And since Larry doesn't drink, I get his share. So, Thank you. Oh, we're talking about Finally. The, the
1: competition. Oh, no, I think, right. I, I, right.
3: I think it's great. And I'm, I'm really excited to see everybody get excited about it. It celebrates barbecue and brings in a lot of people who don't know anything about barbecue. And they see it, and it's cool, and that's great. I think it's neat. Sorry to step all over you there. I've no. been drinking.
1: There you go. Uh, Chef Barry Martin drinking. Larry Gain, embersandflame.com. Uh, Barry's website, welcome to welcometothecookout.com. Uh, guys, always appreciate the time, and we will look for you again next month uh, working on topics that we can just rant and rave about.
2: There you go. That sounds great. We rant right, and rave with the best of them. You
1: got it, and I appreciate it fully, you two. Now, Larry and Barry, go to bed for crying out loud. All right. Let me see here i got to get this timed out just a little bit better. I'm actually not going to be doing a commercial. This is called Transition. Uh, Mike McLeod coming up out of this non-break. Uh, if you miss any show, hit the archives, thebbqcentralshow.com, and uh, you can pick up any part of the show ever. Mike McCloud coming up right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. All right, we are back. 877-448-0433, Greg at the BBQ Central Show. My next guest or last guest tonight, uh, this hour, uh, MMA creative president and CEO, a marketing firm that, in conjunction with KCBS, kind of puts on that Sam's Club series, which just ended this past weekend. Uh, Also, uh, the creator of the World Food Championships. Let's go ahead and race over to the hotline and welcome back a good friend of the show, Mike McLeod. Mike, how are you, buddy?
4: I am good, Stranger. How are you?
1: Doing absolutely fabulous, Mike. I know a very busy time for you, so appreciate the couple minutes you can give the show tonight. Um, let's just roll right into it. I know we're only a couple days out of it, but maybe a, a short-term post-mortem on the Sam's Club series as it sat for 2013. Uh,
4: I think everything went extremely well, and um, we we had... Fantastic participation from the teams and the judges, from sponsors. Sam's was very happy with um, uh, with how they, the series ran this year. They're planning right now for 2014. We're helping them uh, figure out where to go and, and when to go um, uh, throughout the country. So we, we felt really good about it. It went smoother this year than, than it ever has, and it should, because we've done it for three years now. So we were, we were very pleased.
1: Mike McLeod joining us here on the show. Uh, Mike, when you look at the calendar for next year and possible locations, uh, obviously there 's going to be some cities that are going to be revisited just you know for sheer population or it's a it 's a great place uh, that sams wants to promote but for the areas that haven 't seen representation yet, is this a year that you might see a, a New England area or some place that hasn 't been touched yet by the Sams Club?
4: It is a good year for that we We had about um, Probably four or five locations this year that that when you could be improved upon. So we're we're trying to factor in uh, those considerations and look at new new markets that we need to go visit. So if anyone has an idea or suggestion on where they'd like to see the uh, the store go, now's the time to get into it into us.
1: How receptive is a Sam's Club when you get input from you know the the cooking public or, or the general public that might be looking to, to take part in a local qualifying event?
4: How receptive is the club? Yes. Uh, generally speaking, they're they're very um, very receptive. But sometimes they're inquisitive because they haven't, especially a new club they don't they don't know what's about to happen, and it kind of uh, scares them a little bit. Uh, any kind of club manager who's never dealt with a thirty barbecue rig descending upon them for a weekend <laughs> and taking half their parking lot. It can be a little concerning, but uh, once once they have it and once they see it, uh, invariably 100% of the club managers uh, view it as a as a wonderful experience for their members, for their associates, and for the public in that community. Uh, and they they hope that we all they always hope that we come back.
1: You know, you've been around uh, this whole Sam's Club thing since the beginning. Uh, really instrumental in obviously getting this thing going with KCBS. Have you heard, like through the grapevine, that there are certain clubs that want to get a spot? Or is that like that in demand?
4: We do. We, we receive uh, requests from club managers uh, that have had it. We, we receive requests from club managers <laughs> that are nearby above it, um, where it occurred. So it, it's, uh, it's like a Great American Barbecue Tour that we kicked off six, seven years ago. A lot of contests hopefully will we'll come to their, um, their event. Unfortunately, we just there's not enough manpower, not enough weekends in a year to to hit all of them.
1: Obviously, uh, Mike McLeod joining us here, uh, president, CEO of MMA Creative uh, website, MMA Creative dot com. Also, if you want to check out worldfoodchampionships.com dot com while we're talking, go ahead and do that. Uh, Mike, let me transition here just a little bit, and you know I want to get your take on something that the KCBS started doing, and they've kind of uh, allowed cooks and revealed uh, scores and kind of seen how they hit on tables with their meats. And I wonder if this has blown up a little bit in the face of KCBS and the fact that, you know, this shows with actual data that that purported myth of the bad table actually does exist, and not only that, it can be seen by the cooks that are out there. Uh, is, it, is it a good thing that, uh, that they did this, or is there a little bit of a, a negativity that they might not have seen ahead of time?
0: Well,
4: any anytime you have change, you know there's going to be uh, some resistance and some ruffle feathers. Uh, I, I tend to think that transparency is always a good thing. Um, I I don't want to comment specifically on that particular issue because I'm not on the board and I wasn't involved in that decision. So, um, and I don't I certainly don't want to fan the flames or or state something that the board um, would think would be counterproductive to what their objectives are. So. Um, I, I'll just leave it at that. I, it doesn't surprise me that there's a, um, some some interesting opinions and differing opinions on, on the development. I've, I've learned after about eight years in the industry that any time you, you introduce something new or change a, a rule or a program, there's there's going to be flack, there's going to be a little resistance, there's going to be some bust in the road. So hopefully that's what it is, and and I'm sure that uh, the board will listen and learn from it. Uh, they always do. We've got a great board right now, yeah. and you uh, know, They may they may decide to reverse that, or they may decide to amend it. So I I just would suggest everyone gives it the time to to work its way through the system. All
1: right, Mike. So November seventh through the tenth, the second annual World Food Championships taking place once again in the city of Gluttonous Sin, Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, How about a quick background? You know, we have new listeners coming to the show all the time, you know, on why you thought this event needed to happen and, I guess, how you have seen it grow over the past 12 months.
4: Well, the the growth of it over the last 12 months has been tremendous, from um, uh, bringing on extra partners and sponsors, uh, getting more competitors involved, getting more media coverage, to ultimately getting a TV show that's going to be – filming six episodes around it this year. We are just delighted and picked with that. Very, very fortunate. with where the World food Championships are right now. The reason we started it, I, I just felt like there wasn't the, the big crescendo that was necessary for food sport. And I know that you talk about barbecue specifically, and I've been in barbecue uh, for quite a while too, but there are other competitive sport arenas out there, from chili to hamburger to sandwich and dessert, and we just felt like there needed to be a Super Bowl for, for all these great culinary talent who can do tremendous things on a grill, uh, do it outdoors, and and that's that was the genesis for, for the birth of the World Food Championships, and I think we're on to something big and something that's going to have um, lasting legs because we we're staring at a lot of opportunities right now that just didn't exist 12 months ago or even six months ago.
1: You know, when you're looking at during the course of the year all these different qualifying events to get down to the World Food Championships, whether it be, you know, such-and-such such barbecue competition in somewhere in Nevada or a chili cook-off uh, or somebody submitting a recipe or the, or the bacon uh, recipe, I mean, this thing has really exploded in, in all forms and fashions here. Are you I, – I would have to imagine that it is super gratifying for you to not only kind of have this idea of the crescendo, as you call it, but to see it take – such a hold within all different forms of, of foodism and home culinary people and professionals to really hope that a they qualify so they can get out to Las Vegas and have the opportunity to compete and be at the final table with food that isn't even related to the stuff that they cook.
4: <laughs> well, you're you're probably right. I haven't had much time to sit back and be uh, feel gratified about anything yet, but uh, um, it it. We do have a good feeling about where this is going and what it can do for the industry, uh, the whole food sport industry. I, I have uh, always been impressed and blown away by uh, what what these cooks can do, and how much passion and energy they have for their for their pastime. And if the World Food Championships and the TV show that comes out of it can fan the flames of their desire a little bit further, I think uh, we will have had a a big and significant impact uh, and that will that will help me sleep at night
1: mike mccloud joining us here on the show president ceo of mma creative also the uh, creator of the world food championships which will take place november 7th through the 10th so coming up very shortly Uh, mike you have mentioned the tv show a couple of times Uh, is this like a reality based uh, around the competition itself Uh, maybe for whatever you're allowed contractually to tell us you know what's the what's the show going to be based on
4: well, it's been so long since I've read the contract that I'll probably get myself in trouble if I tell you a whole lot. But um, <laughs> we—it's it, going to—they're going to follow competitors in each one of the categories that we um, that, that we're doing a championship, and they're going to tell stories. It's going to be—I uh, think—a mixture of something between uh, pit masters and um, Top Chef, but it's going to be totally new because there's there's not a competition that does what we do. Uh, it's more than a smorgasbord. it's almost the Westminster Channel Club of food. how do you how do you judge a, a world champion dish be it the great Dane of barbecue or the Ficcaese of chili do you, how do you do that? Uh, we're going to show how you do it and um, TV's going to tell it and hopefully it's going to be a compelling story. It's going to make some, some more superstars out of out of competitors that uh, may be new to the industry or maybe well seasoned we'll we'll find out.
1: Do you have or are you allowed to tell us the uh, the judging list you uh, I mean you've talked about how you know how do you do this uh, who are some of the palates that are going to be tasked to differentiate a great slab of ribs versus chili versus a burger versus a bacon recipe
4: i uh I probably will plead the the uh or, or ask for patience on that one. I think next week uh, we're going to have some press releases ahead that discuss who our judges are. But Everyone knows that this is a championship uh, and, and has been reading about it this year. We'll use the, the EAT methodology where we talk about execution, appearance, and tenderness uh, uh, on all the issues that are, are put before the judges. We are going to have... Uh, we're using a tournament-style format this year where you start with a full field, you get down to 10 semifinalists, and then from the 10 you get to one and then that one in each category goes to the final table. So there's about four, three or four rounds there. We're going to have superstar talent in each category, each round, and um, uh, there, there will be some uh, judgmental moments and some objective and subconscious moments from from great talented judges, but they're all going to be trying to follow a formula that we've put together.
1: When it's all said and done, Mike, and a winner is finally crowned, aside from uh, as my favorite cooking show, uh, Iron Chef used to say, gaining the people's fame and adulation forever. Uh, What kind of a a paycheck is the grand champion walking away with?
4: The the grand champion will win at least $60,000. They'll win uh, $10,000 from being the the champion of the category, and then they'll win uh, $50,000 at the final table. There's a chance with extra ancillary challenges that we have that they can win some more money here and there. But uh, it'll be a, a minimum of sixty grand. There's a $300,000 prize first total. Um, so there's a lot of money on the line. Yeah, I mean, and that doesn't even count what happens from a, from a TV standpoint, what happens to, to their personality and uh, getting appearance fees and, and uh, just turning into the next uh, hot food star. So that, that's probably going to be worth 10 times more than what we'll pay them at the event.
1: Mike, I'm going to ask you to speculate here, and this isn't anything I had outlined, but it it kind of dovetailed nicely into what you just said. Do you think that for the people that are showing up, whether they know that there's a TV show being shot around it yet or not, and I'm sure most of them do, do you think the overwhelming majority of them just want to go to win and say that they're the best, or are they going to do that, but it might be secondary to getting FaceTime on television and possibly elevating them into, you know, some type of a, a potential new, uh, food network personality.
4: I think it's a, a little bit of both. Um, you, you cannot take, after being in this industry as long as I have, and, and you know this yourself, I think you cannot take pride off the line. These champions are champions and, uh, they're, they're wanting to be the best of the best. And to do that, you got to beat the best. And, um, we, we bring together champions from all walks of life, all corners of the globe, and uh, all categories of food that you can imagine. So when they come out on top, they are a bona fide world champion, um, not just in one category, but across all all genres that we serve. But you can't take away the TV aspect of it either because we, we've we all seen uh, what Tip what Masters has done for Myron Nixon, for Tuffy Stone, for Johnny uh, 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 Trick. So we, TV has a... a far-reaching and profound effect on our lives and on our sport. And I think people are looking at that possibility. Even if they don't win, they might get some kind of TV gig out of it because of their personality. So it's a little bit of both. Um, Who knows what's really going to be the true motivation for someone, but I think we've got uh, both sides of the equation covered.
1: Mike, last question before I let you go, and I appreciate the time tonight. Uh, I think maybe the last time, or maybe it was even the time before that, we talked about uh, the possibility or potential of having like regional world food championship final style rounds, a la Sam's Club to a degree. Uh, is there any more thought like going into that kind of building into the the final final round at Las Vegas, or are you pretty much set to run as is?
4: We are building the infrastructure for it right now. We already made oh. uh, we made an announcement last week that we are going to do um, super regionals in 2014. <clears throat> You'll probably see. Um, four or five Super Regionals where uh, if you don't win in one of the existing events that we call uh, an automatic qualifier, you can go to one of the Super Regionals and try to win your way in. So that is about to, to
1: be developed. Wow. Absolutely fantastic. Mike, uh, don't thank me for the idea. I mean, that's free of charge. Don't worry about it. Uh, I appreciate that. (laughs) Yeah, right. Uh, Check the checks in the mail. (laughs) Of course. And and if I don't get it tomorrow, I'll just wait longer. Don't worry. Uh, Mike McLeod joining me here on the show. uh, Again, November 7th through the 10th, second annual World Food Championships taking place. And Mike, if you're in town and like you're a spectator, plenty to do uh, and take in over the course of those three days, right?
4: Oh, there's a lot to do, uh, not only seeing the TV show unfold and seeing all these competitors go head-to-head, but we've got a bacon fest, we've got a CVJ class, we've got um, a food fight that's going to feature Earl Campbell versus Bill Bates and a heavyweight bout. We call it the winner taste all, food throwdown. Um, so we've, we've got a lot of things going on. Most of those things are free or very low cost to the public, so it's there's definitely a lot of reasons to come out and see, see what's going
1: on. Sounds like an absolutely fabulous event, and again, it's November 7th through the 10th. And we're talking with Mike McLeod, president CEO of MMA Creative and uh, creator of the World Food Championships. Mike, uh, always appreciate the time, and uh, we'll talk to you after World Food to get a little post-mortem on that one, too. Sounds great. Looking forward to it. All right, Mike, take care. There he is. Class act right there. And uh, really, food, can you say food visionary? a guy who thought that it might be a great idea and you know i don't think i'm speaking out of school when you know to say that i've had some conversations with mike outside of or off air as they would say and said hey you know what do you think of you know this show and and ways to grow it and take it to the next level and i think it was before he actually had the world food championship started or it might have been the year leading up to the first one, so that would have been, you know, a year and a half ago. Uh, he said, hey, hey got to make it as broad as possible. So, you know, that's why you constantly see this show kind of evolving and, you know, not just catering to one sector of the industry, but really trying to open up. And, you know, with a Wednesday show like this, uh, you might see or you might start to get interviews with chili cooks, with burger cooks, like we did with Erin Evanson uh, in July or August or whenever we did that with her. Uh, You know, really open up the, the culinary landscape and, you know, allow different people in this thing because, you know, we're barbecue and grilling first. We're outdoor live fire cooking First and foremost, and that's what the show will always be about, but uh, to be able to kind of open up and broaden the scope of, you know, what people are doing out there, you know, why not? All right. Uh, if you want to win a $20 gift certificate from the Barbecue Superstore, um, shoot me an email, and in the subject line put MMA Creative. That's MMA Creative, and I will get you a $20 gift card to the Barbecue Superstore And, again, that website, thebbqsuperstore.com. That's thebbqsuperstore.com. Richard Parker and the great folks over there uh, doing a weekly giveaway for us for some time now. So, you know, it's uh, well appreciated on our aspect uh, to be able to kind of give something back to you guys. And it looks like we got a winner. It is Phil Luswick, MMA creative. Uh, Phil, no need to send me a uh, w- uh, an address or shipping info or anything like that. No worries about it. Uh, I will get you hooked up, and you're going to get in touch, or uh, Richard Parker is going to get in touch with you, tell you how to redeem that $20 gift card, and uh, you're all set to go. What can I tell you? Beautiful. Wow. Rapid hour. Done. Pfft. <laughs> Uh, all the way back at the top of the hour, we did it right at the top. We'll rarely do top-of-the-hour interview, but we crammed it all in for this hour. Crammed it all in. Get it? Ray Lampy, Dr. Barbecue, and his Ask Dr. Barbecue weekly segment covered why you shouldn't use briquettes in your uh, Kamado-style cooker. We talked about the uh, how he's going down to the jack, and he's going to be a judge there. Uh, no, no. Uh, how he's going to World Food Championships, but he wasn't allowed to say what he was judging, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, we also talked about how to get a good smoke ring on the Big Green Egg. You know, Ray is the corporate chef for Big Green Egg. He travels around the country promoting the joys and the succulents of cooking on that deal, uh, but said, hey, look, if you want a great smoke ring, that's probably not the cooker you're going to want to get, but gives a little cheater way with the Tender Quick, I've never used that before. Uh, I do have a couple Pellet Grills myself, and I really haven't seen, like, a bad smoke ring. That's not great. I did have a wood burner. I had a close 42-inch offset that I got rid of. Man, I'm kicking myself every day. That thing that thing was badass. If you like live fire. I got lazy. What can I tell you? Uh, then we had the guys in aprons. Larry Gain, Barry Martin embersinflame.com, welcome to thecookout.com. Talked about uh, overuse of extra virgin olive oil, how every rub is being touted as the best ever on the face of the earth. We talked about if uh, Jack Daniels is hyped or not. Stimulating conversation from those two. We'll see them back uh, back again next month. And then we close the show out with uh, president and CEO of MMA Creative, Mike McLeod. And the creator of the World Food Championships, mmacreative.com, worldfoodchampionships.com. Uh, we will see you back here Tuesday, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And until then, this is your program host and proud, whoa, September 11th, 2001. I will never forget. Until we see you back here next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, this is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Good night now.